0: This is Hey Change, a podcast brought to you by me, Anne Therese, a model activist and co-founder of Role Models Management, an ethical talent agency on a mission to disrupt the industry and change the way we think about fashion, beauty, and society as a whole. I'm here to bring you inspiring changemakers and new ideas on how we can live our lives in more sustainable, healthy, and compassionate ways. So, with that said, are you ready to jump on board the wave of change? Hey Karen. Hi T. Welcome to my floor in Brooklyn.
1: Thank you. It's um, a very comfortable floor. This is
0: how we do things. This we always is. somehow end up on the floor on the ground. We just we were on the ground in park like half an hour ago.
1: We've been on the floor with our vegan Buddha bowls. Like this is just how we roll. This how we roll.
0: And um, I mean, when I first started said that I wanted to start a podcast, I reached out like Karen, you need to be my first guest in the show. <laughs> we like of course. And then for some reason. Do, like, what, number 20 or something? I don't know what (laughs) happened. You have been way too busy, girl. But here we are finally, and this is, like, the least planned interview I've had so far. But I was like, let's do it.
1: Well, this is how it works. There's a particular kind of serendipity that I think happens in our friendship, so this is just a perfect expression of that. Exactly. So why don't you just share quickly how we met? So I am friends with your former roommates, Ben and Cassie, And Cassie and I had been planning a dinner at her apartment um, for a long time. And when the day finally came for the dinner, I had like lots of other things going on. And for some reason, even though I had so wanted to go to the dinner and been looking forward to it, like for some reason it didn't work for that night. But I said I was gonna go, and so of course I'm gonna go. And so I go and we're in Cassie's room looking through her jewelry. Of course, as soon as I got there, I was so glad I said yes. And this girl walks in with the only top knot I had seen that was better than my own. <laughs> this bomb ass tattoo on her arm, this incredible black sheath dress, and these black glasses. I don't think I have ever girl crushed so hard at first sight before in my entire life. Oh, thanks, love. <laughs> and that was
0: Trees. <laughs> it's it's insane because I was having a similar day. I just it was in the middle of Fashion Week, and I would just been working, and it was so hot out. And I came home and, you know, I was living there. And like, are we having friends over? I'm like, I live here. I cannot, can't, I cannot <laughs> attend the party in my own home. And I was like, oh, some girl just got here. And I walked into Cassie's room and I saw Karen. I'm like, damn, girl, you're like really cool. And I think we just connected and we talked for like 30 minutes straight. No one
1: could interrupt us. We ended up spending like the majority of the dinner together afterwards. Yeah. And I remember there was this one point where you asked me, so, you know, what's your sign? And I'm an Aries, and you're an Aries. And of course we were both Aries. And yeah. it's kind of this uncanny thing where, like, my nearest and dearest are all Aries. And so I think that was really just one of the first examples of, like, this friendship making sense.
0: Yeah, and I remember telling my mom, I'm like, I found my soul sister in the term of like she's me just in a different hair color <laughs> and I know that I can be very intense sometimes and I think that's some we when we when we see each other it becomes like a very specific date yes I, I can remember each time I've seen you and I remember I was looking for a new place to stay and my boyfriend's like wait why, why don't you just move here? Karen and I'm like do you want two on me he's like <laughs> No, I'm like, yeah, so that's why it's not going to work out. <laughs> so it's only so much, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, um, you're here first because you're my friend, but also because mm-hmm. you're very cool. And um, one of the reasons I had a crush on you from the very beginning is because you have this thing called, uh, sorry, called Cool and Thoughtful mm-hmm. or CAT, spelled mm-hmm. out C-A-T. So just give us a little
1: bit of a, an intro to that and why you started it. Sure.
0: Or your opinion.
1: Sure. So Cool and Thoughtful is an initiative to shift our social values from individualism to empathy. And the way it does this is actually by redefining cool. So that cool actually means being generous and engaged and empathetic rather than narcissistic or rebellious or hedonistic. So this is a project that uses aesthetics, uh, especially visual aesthetics and also fashion, as well as events to actually redefine what cool means so that we are aspiring to being generous and engaged and really generative, excuse me, in our problem solving. Um, I attended one of your workshops
0: back in January, your first cool convening as you chose to, to name it, and I found myself in a room of like really people from everywhere in all parts of life. And we came together and discussed, like, what is what is it really to be cool? How mm. has it been perceived in society up until now, and how can we change it? And what we came to is, like, even in high school or growing up, cool was always that, as you say, the rebellion. It was like, yeah. I'm too cool to care, yeah. or always trying to be rebellious on the bad side. Mm. I mean, I think you can definitely be rebellious and still, like, aim for something good, because mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. sometimes something need to be provocative to implement any kind of change but it's more of like, how can we be that one who
1: stops and show compassion? So there's a nuance that I like to tease out in this work, and it's actually one of the tenets of this project. There's a difference, I think, between rebelling against something and standing for something. Mm. The two outcomes might actually be the same, but the approach is fundamentally different on an ontological level, but also just an orientation. So if you're rebelling against something, there's, like, an anger or a this shouldn't be or, like, visualize a screwdriver kind of going into a piece of wood. Like, there's kind of a bite to that that, I, in my view, is not the most productive. Not to say it can't be productive, but I think there's incredible power in not making anything wrong, but rather looking at what's possible. hmm and then going with all your your might and your force and your love and your passion towards that. And um, that I see is the difference between standing for and rebelling against. And, And cool and thoughtful stands for a world in which empathy is a core social value. It is not rebelling against the current understanding. It's simply calling for us to look at the impacts of the current understanding and then suggesting an alternative, passionately. <laughs> I just want to say, I keep laughing for myself, there's a fly in here? Yes.
0: <laughs> we opened the window for like two seconds, and of yep. course this huge fly, is not flying around. If there's a bus in the background, you know why. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to um, tap into this whole um, way of driving a force, because I, I had a similar journey with uh, how I want to drive change. Mm. And I realized there was a time when I tried to really just preach my message, and i realized there's no way you can force someone else into changing or wanting to change because we all need to be ready in our own way the only way you can implement any movement is from being a positive inspiration and leading yes and having people follow on their own terms yes and that's why i think it's so like it's so empowering (sighs) because i mean for me to be cool and thoughtful i think there are so many ways where we can like it's going to be a bit scary at first mm. to be different because it, it might acquire us as individuals to step out and put, your, put yourself in the spotlight and maybe act in a different way that's not normal in society nowadays, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to shortly go back to when I was taking acting classes last fall because um, there are certain ways we're supposed to act within society. And it's actually working against our like our human behavior because if we see someone who's sad or is crying as humans we want to go up And suit their person, you know. Sure. But you don't really do that in society because it's not looked upon as, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not acceptable in societal terms. Mm -hmm. So we actually are acting more like robots. So I think what my definition of cool and thoughtful would be to like actually follow on that instinct and be like, well, that person needs me right now. How can I be cool in this particular situation and share my compassion with that? Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you have a lot of different ways of. I mean, it's such a broad term, but if you were to share something like three things that you think you can be really cool and thoughtful, like how are you
1: cool and thoughtful? Hmm. So I think the first is, you know, to just be clear about what we mean by empathy, because it's a word that we hear more and more these days, and it can actually have a lot of different understandings, and this I think is the double-edged sword of a buzzword, you know, the positive side being that it comes into more of a mainstream lexicon. And the other side of that being is that we can think we're talking about the same thing, but we're actually talking about something different. Mm. So, this feeds into the first way in which you can be cat, meow, cat. Too, <laughs> sorry, um, of which is you know cool and thoughtful. Defines empathy as a practice of imagining how the world looks to others. A practice of imagining how the world looks to others. That doesn't necessarily mean feeling their pain. Mm. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean adopting their pain as yours. That doesn't necessarily mean being nice. You know, and that's a distinction that I've I've heard recently, um, actually from a firm called Subrosa that does a lot of work with empathy. You know, one of the distinctions they really draw is that empathy doesn't mean being nice. But the first way you can be cool and thoughtful is to actually start to build that muscle. You know, if you're in a place where you are upset with someone and you are reacting against something that they are doing or saying, see if you can find it in yourself to just pause for a second and see if you can imagine how the world might look to them. Like, what might be going on? And sometimes this can even be as simple as acknowledging that there are things going on for them that you are not privy to Mm. and that those things are shaping how they're responding and how they're acting. You know, and even just holding that recognition, there's a little space that you can start to get a little space around your own reaction, a little space around what you think of them, a little space around your own anger, your own heat in that moment. And so I think that's really at the core of being cool and thoughtful is that moment of pause. You know, and that's a practice that that hey, change listeners can take on for themselves. I think that's one way. Before you go on, please, cuz I just
0: thought about something that happened to me the other day. What you're saying about like what one word can mean to two different people yeah. and we think that we're communicating in a way that's very linear but it can be so different. Completely. I was uh, looking at my Instagram story and a close friend to mine here in the city she's in, she's um, currently in Italy and I love Italy to begin with and everything she's posting right now I'm like oh I want to be there so I commented on one of her photos and I'm like oh my god I'm so jealous and she's like, not jealous, be happy for me, you know? Neg- yes. It's such a negative word. I'm like, yes. so in my opinion, yes. if I say I'm so jealous, I'm saying that in a positive manner, like, I'm so happy for you, girl, I'm jealous, I yes. wish I could be there. Completely. But she perceived it as something negative. Mm. And I really realized that, wow, you know, we think that we are so clear in our yes. communication. But we're not. And I think sometimes there's so much complication going on due to that. Especially today with emails and messaging and texts and everything. I mean, I even had a really hard, when I was working part-time for this firm, uh, I got all my jobs from from one of my co-workers in Vancouver. So all our communication was going on through like just typing. Mm -hmm. And she actually called me one day. She's like, Therese, I don't like your attitude. Oh my God. And she had been thinking about this for a long time, yeah. and I didn't even know I was giving her an attitude. Yeah. So it's like, what do, you, what do you mean an attitude? So it's really important, I think, to to sometimes not just react in the first reaction Completely. and be like, well, what are they trying to say? What's exactly. their reality right now? Maybe she's just stressed out and she doesn't have time
1: to send a smiley, you know? And this is, I mean, this is a muscle to build. And the game you can play is both how quickly can you piece together that person's context? Granted, you're assuming a lot, but how quickly can you try to get their world? That's one game you can play, and then the other game you can play is how deep do you think you can imagine their world? Hmm. Um, You know, I had an experience recently where I was low-key horrified with myself because I responded to a friend of mine with such velocity. You know, she asked me a question and I responded so definitively and so quickly in a way that was upsetting to her because I didn't piece together her context and how you know what she was dealing with might have occurred for her and been like for her I didn't piece it together quickly enough Mm -hmm. you know had I not spoken my gut and like paused for maybe half a second to integrate our conversation to integrate like what might be going on for her, what I know about her, what I know about me, like the response would have been very different. Now Mm. I just spoke for maybe 90 seconds about a phenomenon that happens in a split second. So I don't expect us to turn split second interactions into 90 second interactions, but I use it more as an example to unpack this apparatus of what it means to really practice imagining how the world looks to others. And, you know, just to really give credit where credit's due, too, because that's part of being cool and thoughtful, this idea of this practice is something that I picked up from a really beautiful management consulting firm that I've um, just been involved with in very different ways uh, for the past two years called Incandescent, you know, and they're really putting that practice to work in the context of business and strategy, Um, but that experience has been really informative about um, how I understand empathy cool and I think also what you're saying
0: about that whole interaction with your friend I, I'm i always careful about giving advice mm-hmm. and taking advice from others because we always have to realize that some person's advice is always coming from the best of heart from the position that she or he is in at that very moment yes. and your journey might be so different so, if someone comes to me like, "Hey, trees, what should I do?" And like due to my own past experiences, this is what I would do,
1: yeah,
0: but your life might be completely different, and you them whatever advice I want to give to you may not be applicable to your situation and I think it's remember to like always seek advice on others, but at in the very end, go to yourself and be like what what feels right to me because yeah I can never take someone else's story or someone else's journey
1: completely and I think that really taps on another way in which we can be cool and thoughtful which is there are two parts to what you just said one is that to remember that your journey is your journey you know and your perspective is yours and your experience are yours and that might not apply (laughs) like Mm -hmm. maybe that applies uniquely to you I think that's you know one thing to remember I think the other piece is that Something I practice for myself is rather than say speak from my experience try to think of questions that could help that person come to their own conclusions Mm. Because I have my own set of values. I have my own way of doing things. and those are mine. Those might not be theirs How can I then ask them questions that might help somebody come to their own conclusion? They're questions like, you know, so what do you really want or like, what do you think will matter to you in this situation? Or, you know If you were to replay this three months from now, what's the story you'd want to tell? Mm. There are questions that you can help lead people with. Um,
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think most times when you are in a struggling place, you kind of know the answer deep inside. You just need someone to come in and ask the right Mm, questions. So I think that's definitely a great advice coming from you right now. Like Instead of just preaching your story and your beliefs, ask questions. Yes. Right. Yes. And since we're talking about home uh, empathy and your own journey and everything, we were just talking today about your personal journey recently. Rock on! And how you completely <laughs> transformed your lives in the past few weeks yeah. due to like an injury. Yeah. Um,
1: do you want to share quickly what happened? Sure. So by way of context, I've been a runner in some, um, some capacity for my entire life. Um, ran competitively in college the first time around because those of us who are proud stewards of a non-linear path go to several different places for undergraduate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And so most recently, my relationship to running looked like running about 60 miles a week, um, non-negotiably doing it before work. So that would mean getting up at like 5.30 um, and running for about an hour before work. And I really had it rigged up that, A, that's what I needed for my life to work. B, there was no other way that I could be happy, healthy, and well. Um, and C, I wasn't really open to any alternatives. Just, Just add to this, we would have been out dancing,
0: and <laughs> after three hours of sleep, she's like, no, I still had to go from around this morning. I'm like, really? You, you can't take yeah. a day off? She's like, no, 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 this is how I do things. Yes. Yeah. Real talk. Real
1: talk. <laughs> um, and so... After being out dancing very late at hip-hop, which, just as a full disclaimer, I, I don't not drink, but I very seldom drink alcohol, um, and so when I go dancing, I don't drink any alcohol. She's still an awesome dancer. Anything else? Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, on my bucket list, actually, somebody asked me if I was a dance instructor once, and oh, I would like, I could keel over and just be put in the ground now, and I'd be happy. Um, I need to list. (laughs) So, I hurt my knee after dancing about four weeks ago. And I continued to run on it and I continued to bike on it, finally, to the point where I truly could not do it anymore. And so, for the first four days of not being able to run, every single impulse, habit, upset that I had was driven to the surface. So, It finally got to the point where on a peaceful Saturday night in my Harlem apartment, I was doing all the things that I really just hate the most about myself. I was eating junk food, I was getting angry, I was procrastinating doing things I loved, like all these things that so don't serve me. And it got to the point where I realized I cannot blame this on any other circumstance. There is no stress, there is no, you know, physical location. The common denominator here is me. So what's going on? And when I looked, what I saw was that I was coming from a place of reaction. So when something unwanted or unpleasant would come into my field, I would get angry with that. I would react to that. I would try to avoid that. I would try to like get some relief from that. And so that would look like procrastinating or eating or something like that. And what that opened up was in a practice of noticing my own reactions. And actually seeing if I can just tolerate the uncomfortable feeling and it'll pass. And so what that has opened up for me is, oh my gosh, I mean, one, I've discovered that I don't have to run like that all the time. No, you don't. It's amazing. And I've actually discovered other forms of movement. Like I'm starting a yoga practice and I've started a new Tracy Anderson workout. Gotta love Tracy. (laughs) My brother makes fun of me so hardcore. Um, with all respect, he he can. (laughs) Totally. Um, and so like it's, it's opened up for me, one, a whole new physical routine. It's opened up a whole new relationship to my body. You know, my health is probably the best it's ever been. Um, my relationship to my body is probably the healthiest it's ever been. Um, It's also opened up just new lifestyle. Like if I don't have to run so much, then I don't have to live near Central Park, which means I can actually live where I'd like to live, which is in Park Slope or Prospect Heights. (laughs) Um, And it's also then in more of a, you know, spiritual and development realm, it's really helped me um, just lean into this practice of noticing my reactions. Mm -hmm. And being really mindful of what this core operating state is. So am I coming from a place of being forceful and reactive and rigid in how I'm operating? Or am I coming from a place of being flexible and relaxing into the discomfort? Very different. I mean, for you who listen
0: right now, my whole journey to change started a few years ago. And if you heard my first episode, I talked about this. But I was, like Karen, forceful about my workouts I would be at the gym every morning I would count every calorie every grams of protein and I was so sure that I was so happy and healthy and this was the best way of operating life didn't matter how many times my friends or family were saying that that's not a healthy way of living you know it's if you're in that it's so easy to get trapped And I think especially for women, it's, I don't know why, I'm not going to say that because I know a lot of guys in the same position, but it's just like we implement these systems and we think that if we don't follow them, we're not going to be happy, we're going to lose the bodies and whatever. And we actually, we think we being, we think we love ourselves because we're taking care of our bodies, but it's something so wrong with that picture because I think it's on a spiritual level. And I think we both we both been through a similar journey in the fact that something needed to happen so dr- dr- drastically that we had no choice but to just like sit down and be like, what's going on? Yeah. And find the balance and definitely work out. But maybe try something new. Do I have to do it every morning? No. There are mornings... I usually go for a walk in the morning. I recently discovered that... You know, especially now when I live with my boyfriend, every now and then it's nice to stay in for another 10 minutes and have breakfast together. Well, when he looks like that... I know, right? (laughs) It's like, you know, I have a hot boyfriend right here. Why should I go out? No, but it's just like, can I plan my day differently? Can I go for a walk later on? Yes, I could. It's just like, I think most of all, feeling ourselves in our body. Like, knowing... Always being true to ourselves and eat and work out and take care of ourselves in in a manner that is treating our body as a temple. But I think when you do it in a forceful way, you're not doing it, even though you think you are.
1: And I think there's also an element here, too, around wisdom growing. Mm. You know, we were... T and I were having parts of this conversation in the park earlier, and... You know, I... wouldn't have heard it from her if she told me that I could do things differently. My mom has told me for a long time that I could do things differently. I couldn't hear it. Mm-mm. There's no, no possible way... I could have heard it. And so to this point around sometimes there's got to be something that pulls you up short. And I think, you know, one of the conversations my mom and I were having around all of this recently was she asked me, what do I do when I know that you're doing something like that again? Mm, I was just going to say that. Such a good question. I know. And, I mean, on the one hand, I think that sometimes you can only learn it for yourself and you yeah. have to experience it yourself one thing we came up with or rather i suggested was well mom you could say you know this is like the running thing Mm -hmm. and draw an analog but i think even then there's there's no guarantees that i'd be able to hear that again but that's i mean that's what it is to be in your 20s it's like you you gotta learn this stuff i
0: mean that's something we said too it's like and if you're listening right now if you think of a person that you would want to nudge or like oh that's exactly how I feel about you know my friend or whatever my sister no matter how much you try you can always nudge but if they're not ready to make that shift it's not going to happen they have to be ready and they have to go
1: through it because
0: the experience
1: is part of the journey 100% the value is for them to discover Mm -hmm. and experience it for themselves and always
0: of course be there and be supportive like not just watch someone go Mm -hmm. right into the wall but (laughs) I actually what you said, like, what do you do? I I made up this system with my boyfriend, and I found myself in a very negative pattern recently. He's like, Therese, this is so not you. Like, why why are you acting this way? You're supposed to be that, you know, positive spirit is always, like, looking at things from the great, like, the sunny side of life. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. But I'm like, okay, I'm snapping out of it. And you know what? I might get back into this, I don't know, funk that I'm in right now, and we need to come up with a word. So if that happens, (laughs) just say that word. And I know it. Because I think it, ha- and like, it has to be a word that's so out of the context that I'll, like, you know, snap. Yeah. So we came up with peaches. Oh. So if I were to rant again, which I've been doing lately, he'd be like, Tess, how about peaches? Mm. And if he says that now, I know so for a great. fact that, oh, like, God, so mm, I'm doing it. So I think you have to come up with these clues.
1: Yeah.
0: And it has to be, you have to trick your mind. Because yeah. if he could say, like, oh, you're doing it again. Like, even him saying that, I'm like, I oh, know I'm doing it again. I don't care. But if yes. he, like, says something like peaches, I'm like, what do you mean by peaches? Oh, we mean peaches. Oh, that's such a great thing. You know, you yeah. need to, like, snap yourself out of it.
1: Yeah. So that's something I've come up with that works for yeah. me. And it's, you know, I have certainly had many moments of being forceful and reactive mm-hmm. <laughs> over the past three weeks of transformation. Um And every time it happens, I mean, there are a couple different things. One, sometimes I'm aware I'm doing it, and so it's kind of hard to take myself seriously in the Mm -hmm. same way, because there's, like, 20% of my mind that knows, like, okay, you're doing it, like,
0: oh, man, I got found out, (laughs) like, dang it. It's like being on your period, you know? It's like, you know, you're in this reactive mood, and you're like, I know it but it's nothing they can take me that out of there space. right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the other times too is that sometimes when I when I am so in it that I don't even have that 20% to acknowledge I'm doing it. When I come out of that state, I see it so vividly like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's what it's like. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And and I think that's almost encouraging because then I can see that it's not this um, I'm not asleep. Yeah. And that's in the moment of being Reactive and forceful, and whatever's going on, I'm asleep. But my homeostasis is mm. not one of being asleep. And just to take, get one takeaway of all this yeah.
0: be humble with yourself when you're going through these changes. Mm. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's, it's part wonderful. of the journey. We all gonna now go is. into it, snap out of it. it is. Um, it is. We need to, because we've been talking about half an hour already. Welcome we do to this. Our lives. Yeah. This is what we do. Um, <laughs> and I do want to finish off with some final questions. I will change this up a little bit. Sure. Because I do want to talk shortly about your awesome style because you, oh, in my opinion, have a very you. specific um, cool and thoughtful way of uh, dressing. Oh, thank and you. And I, I think you told me once a few months ago, like, well, every time I dress in the morning, I think of some, some few takeaways. Um, mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, when, when you dress in the morning, how do you think? What, what's going on in your head? Oh, my gosh. It's such a great question. Um... As she thinks about this, just to give you an, uh, an idea of how, how, who she is, she pieces together the most incredible vintage clothing <laughs> in the most incredible styles, and she always looks on point. I'm always like, damn, I'm meeting with Karen today. What am I wearing? <laughs> um, but she love, loves ribbons and flowy mm-hmm. stuff and big pants. and um, But it's, it's just a very unique style. But I think you said something
1: about how can I look chic but still be comfortable. So... I'd say there there are a couple there are like two main tenants that underpin my dressing a pun maybe. Um, one is taking a page out of Blair Waldorf's book in that she is always dressed for the like perfectly for the occasion. She is wearing exactly whatever you are supposed to wear when you're going to that occasion and I think I always think like what what is the perfect picnic in the park outfit mm-hmm. you know or what is the perfect like how am I feeling what's the vibe I want at hip hop night like um, so so dressing for the occasion, I think, is always one thing, but another practice that I've been um, really focusing on the past couple months is one that my friend Daniela, who's this phenomenal jewelry designer, her line's called Arc Objects, um, one that Daniella shared with me. And she told me how when she was at Parsons, one of her courses had them keep a journal of their outfits every day. And a journal of how they felt in them, what worked, what didn't work, and the whole point was actually to distill some of the aesthetic elements of what makes a quote-unquote successful outfit for you. And so I spent some time auditing my own sartorial choices, Um, didn't keep a journal, but kept a mental one in my head. And I think there are a couple principles. Um, One, it needs to be unfussy. Like, I'm not going to be happy if I have to make sure it stays tucked, or if it's belted the right way, or if it's pinned the right way. Like, it's really got to be unfussy. Mm -hmm. That's one. Um, Two is that I love things that are really elegant, but unfussy. Mm -hmm. So that usually means silk, like looking for the fabrics, having really beautiful fabrics. Um you know for me unfussy also shows up in silhouettes i really love loose silhouettes though i have to be honest like as i've gotten more comfortable with myself like i can go for a wide-legged pant that's fitted up top (laughs) like it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be a potato sack like we can handle it um, I think also, too, like kind of in terms of the a- aesthetic element of it, I'm such a 70s girl. I'm mm-hmm. so 70s, um, but I'm a tomboy femme. So, you know, this athletic sensibility, you know, not having a lot of curves like that tomboy in me. Um,
0: I, I was thinking this <laughs> entire time, there's one thing I want to add to all this Karen is a perfect example of being. So incredibly feminine and not wearing heels. Oh my gosh! Thank you. Because I don't think I've ever seen you in heels. You I always don't wear show them. up in sneakers. Always in so. sneakers. Oh, uh, but she's like the most feminine person I know. Like, oh my gosh! Like, thank yeah, you. I know you see yourself as a tomboy. And yeah. I'm like, I don't, do I really want to agree with that? You know, <laughs> yeah. I know you're a tomboy of that whole like, yeah,
1: athletic yeah, side of you. Sure. But no, you
0: are like, you're a girly girl. So
1: okay, so that then paints you like the vivid picture of mm-hmm. my aesthetic and how I how I orient myself because I feel like a tomboy in terms of wearing sneakers and being loose, but I also love whimsy and. I'm apparently a lot more feminine than I know. <laughs> um, side note on that, a couple summers ago I did this project where I interviewed all my friends and my relatives about what they thought the difference was between a girl's girl and a guy's girl. And the, my favorite answer I got was from my brother, who was like, I don't know, 15 at the time. And he said, oh, yes, that's simple. A girl's girl is a girl who's into obscure things that girls like. And by that definition, I am, like, the ultimate girl's girl. <laughs> yeah. Love that answer. And I dress like that. I also believe that if uh, Jane Birkin and Lulu de la Falaise, which was one of YSL's muses in Marrakesh, if they had a child and moved to Clinton Hill, how that child would dress is how I dress. <laughs> I love you.
0: <laughs> All right, um... Quick answer to this. Why are you vegan?
1: I'm vegan because it makes sense to me. It's a very logical expression of my values. Um, was that a hard question out of the blue? No, I'm just
0: thinking because it's also, you know... Why should anyone want to be vegan? Uh,
1: well, I think of veganism as a practice, mm-hmm. right? So, you know... It's not necessarily a one and done thing But it's exploring what the right balance of that is mm-hmm. For you And what do you think
0: is the biggest misconception people have about Vegan people in general Or the whole lifestyle of that entitles?
1: Yeah, is that um, You can't be healthy You just might have to be really intentional About how you get
0: mm-hmm. everything
1: in Educated Yeah, educated yeah. and intentional mm-hmm.
0: I think also that people think you have to eat very boring food I think the most fun food out there is vegan.
1: Well, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this because <laughs> I save my creativity for my closet. My idea of cooking is like I've cutting up a, a cucumber.
0: Le- <laughs> well, actually, when we cook, when we, I'm doing the quote-unquote cook um, Margaret. and when we cook together, what happens is she provides some of the ingredients, and... We end up in a kitchen together with shielding against the counter, <laughs> watch me cook, and then we eat together.
1: But I'm the moral support team. You're very,
0: yeah, you're great <laughs> at that. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right, so final question. Yes. I want you to give some value to my word, which is re-truthing. If we were to look at the world in a different way oh and change the way we behave and think about certain things, like well, how can we take a truth that we're living by right now, change it up, and find
1: ourselves in more loving, compassionate, and sustainable futures. Redefine cool. Cool is pervasive. Cool is everywhere. It is in our lexicon. It's in our advertising. It's everywhere. It is our ultimate aspiration. And when something is so pervasive, we have to peel back the hood and look at to what are we aspiring. And so to retruth cool so that it means being generous and empathetic and engaged... That's a completely different set of things to aspire to. And that's something that will it's a retruth worth retruthing. Thank you. You're so welcome. You nailed it. <laughs> All right, Karen. Final thought. Final thought. Or how can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at cool and thoughtful. And you can also find me at coolandthoughtful.com. If you want to get in touch. Uh, my email is karen K-E-R-R-I-N, M is in Mary, S is in Sam, at gmail.com. And if you're in New York City, we'll be having monthly cool convenings. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is coming up for July. I'm not sure if this episode will go live before then, but we have one coming up July 7th. Um, and then the next one will most likely be just before Afropunk uh so the weekend before afropunk <laughs> okay putting it in my calendar <laughs> perfect <laughs> and that's that that's it that. yeah let's all be cool and thoughtful just like that just like that <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for tuning in, and if you have any questions or ideas for this pod, please send me an email to annethereese at rolemodelsmanagement.com. That's rolemodelsmgmt.com. And if you or anyone in your surroundings want to be a role model, please check out our submissions page at .at www.rolemodelsmgmt.com. And then, last but not least, please find a minute to head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you again.